0: Welcome to Calvary Revival Church Podcast, where we exist to know God, live generously, discover purpose, and make a difference. Wherever you are listening from, our desire is for this practical teaching to make a difference in your personal life and in the lives of the people and community around you. And now, let's prepare ourselves for an uplifting experience.
1: It's good to see y'all this morning. Thank God for you being in God's house. Glad to be home. Back with y'all. The Lord has been good to us. Pastor David has been holding it down, hasn't he? I mean, this man, this, this word has been setting me free. I believe Pastor David has postured us very well, especially in that final talk on submission and how you submit to God's authority because I believe that's a part of the way the leader moves and everybody is a leader. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a leader. Come on, say, even if you didn't sign up, you're a leader. Even you didn't sign up, you're still a leader. So everybody's a leader. Uh, a leader is somebody with influence, and you have influence. That makes you a leader. And a part of leading like Jesus is submitting to his authority. But the other side of that, and that's what we'll go into probably starting the first Sunday of December, is we'll talk about how the leader is also a person who knows how to give. And not just give money, but give of themselves. Amen. Look at your neighbors. I used to be really stingy. Tell them I still am sometimes. Look back, I'm saying, no, you cannot borrow five dollars. But I believe the Lord wants to work that out of us. And so today's word, here's what I believe you all, is that today's word is kind of a word that connects what Pastor David has been talking about in terms of how a leader carries himself or herself. Uh, the ability to submit, the ability to follow, the ability to hear God, the kind of place that your heart's got to be in, uh, in order for God to use you to be the influencer that you are called to be. I believe today's word kind of connects that word with us going into this idea of, of the leader is a giver. And I'll tell you why. Because here's what I believe is the fundamental reason why most people don't walk in the authority that they've been given is because they don't see themselves the way God sees them. I said I believe the fundamental reason why most people don't walk in the authority that God has given them is because they don't see themselves the way God sees them. And so they've spent so much time downing themselves and minimizing themselves and criticizing themselves and allowing other people to do the same, that they've allowed so much time for the devil to be their accuser because the Bible says that he is the accuser of the brethren. So they spent so much time under the accusative eye of the enemy that they've lost the understanding that God has created them as his masterpiece. And so I want to show you in Scripture today how the Lord in the same text where the Lord says, I'm saved by grace. You are saved by grace uh, through faith. It's a gift of God, not of works. Nobody can brag. That in the same passage, He declares you as His masterpiece. That's gonna be hard for some of y'all. Uh, now, some of y'all, it won't be hard because you already feel like you're the masterpiece. you <laughs> like, oh, I already knew that. But, but for some of you, it's gonna be difficult, so I'm gonna start you off easy. You ain't gotta tell everybody. I just want you to whisper to the person next to you, I'm God's masterpiece. By the time we finish, you're going to tell the world because that's why he saved you. He saved you so that the world would know that he could take a mess. (laughs) Y'all be good because we'd be be here till 3 o'clock. He would take a mess and turn it into a masterpiece. Can I get a witness in the building? And the pathway to the masterpiece is a messy path. And this is the problem for some of you. Nobody told you, and forgive me if I'm the only pastor you ever had and I didn't tell you. But nobody told you that the road from mess to masterpiece is a messy road. It's a dirty road, it's a filthy road, it's a failing road, it's a struggling road, it's an up and down road at times, nobody told you, and I'm sorry that nobody told you. And so, once he put his hand on your mess, you somehow felt that God was going to make you better, you just didn't know what it was going to take to make you better. And so, along the way, along the journey, somewhere in there, you started to think, maybe, Watch this. Maybe God's not going to do everything I thought he was going to do. Maybe God ain't going to clean me up all the way. Maybe I'm not going to become everything I used to think I was going to be when I first got saved. I want you to know that's a lie straight from the pit of hell. That is the lie the enemy sells the believer so that you dumb down and minimize your faith so that you no longer believe God for the best that he can do in your life. But I came home to tell you that God's got you on a road to the masterpiece level, and God, if you don't quit, God ain't gonna quit. Now go with me to the book of Ephesians. Let me read a little scripture to you. We'll read, matter of fact, maybe ten verses, starting with verse one, Ephesians chapter two, and verse one. If you got it, say Amen. If you can find the screen, say Amen. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Look, at your neighbor and say many sins. Come on, tell him you didn't just have one. Come on, tell him. Say, you didn't just have one. Many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. Mm. Obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit, small s, At work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God all of us used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature by our very nature we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else but here's the shouting verse But God is so rich in mercy. I'm going to give you 10 seconds to give God what he deserves. Y'all didn't get that, did you? I'm going to give you 20 more seconds to get the revelation. God is so rich in mercy. Not, I'm so good that I went to church. Not, my church is so great. Not, my pastor helped me. No, 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 no. God is so rich in mercy. And he loved us so much even though we were dead because of our sins he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead it is only by God's grace that you've been saved for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus now I want you to pay close attention to uh, to verse 7 if you're looking at it say amen Verse 7 says, So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. So, so, so check it out. So here's what he said. You were a mess. You would have never gotten up without me. But I'm going to get you up. And when I get you up, I'm going to put you on display. And I'm going to show the world what I can do with a mess. Because when they see what I did with your mess, they'll begin to believe me for what I can do with their mess. So, so the messier you are, Look at your neighbor and say, This part is for you. The messier you are, the more glory God is getting from fixing your life. See, the devil tries to say, Because you were really messed up, God don't really love you like he loves everybody else. But the truth is, it's almost the opposite. The more messed up you are, the more determined he is to fix you because you become a greater display of the glory and the power and the honor of God. I just need you to look at four people and say, Don't you dare give up. Come on, tell them, tell them somebody else, don't you dare give up. Don't, don't you dare give up. Don't you dare give up. Let me hurry, let me hurry, let me hurry. God saved you by His grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward. Watch this. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Verse 10 For we are God's masterpiece. (laughs) Your King James says we're His workmanship. But your modern translation helps us by changing the word workmanship to masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ so we can do the good things he planned for us so very long ago. Lord, thank you for the reading of Scripture and thank you for the time that we have together. I'm asking you, Lord, to speak to us and to help us get this in our spirit. I do want us to be moved in our soul realm till we rejoice and we feel better. But I don't want it to just be that. I want it to be a revelation that gets deep in the heart so that from this day forward, we never see ourselves the way we once saw ourselves. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name. All right, let's take some notes. Let's talk about masterpiece, because if if I'm going to call you one, God's going to call you one, you need to know what that is. What is a masterpiece? Well, a masterpiece is a work done with extraordinary skill, especially a supreme or artistic achievement. Can I say it again? It is a work done with extraordinary skill, especially a supreme or artistic achievement achievement. Now I want to take you to the second level of the definition. Great work or what the Latin calls the magnum opus, the greatest work. A creation that has been given much critical praise, one that is considered, watch this y'all, the greatest work of one's career. (laughs) So when God calls you his masterpiece, he says trees are amazing. Mountains are bad. Rivers are romantic. Seasides are sexy. But I ain't made nothing like you. In all of my and it is one thing for an artist who lives between 45 to 100 years to say, this is my magnum opus. This is my greatest work. Well, he's only lived for 75 years. He's only been working for 30 or 40 years. But for the God of eternity, who is Alpha and Omega, who has always been alive and will always live to look at you straight out of Portsmouth and say, you are my magnum opus. To look at you straight out of Suffolk and say, you are my magnum opus. To, to look at you straight out of a single parent family, straight out of a struggling community. Say, see that woman right there? That's my magnum opus. She is my greatest work. Yeah. Now, now you, you clap, but you don't clap much because it's hard to receive it. Because you're wondering, my God, How can you be talking about me? But you see, there's this road from, I call it, mess to masterpiece. And in many ways, the beauty is not always in the creation as much as it is in what the master went through to get the creation. You see, you doubt that you're a masterpiece because you don't look like the girl on the magazine or, or because you don't look like the guy on the book or, or because you don't have what somebody else has on Instagram and they probably ain't got it either. they just standing by the car before the owner comes back. But you don't, you don't have that. So you have, you have determined... Your status as lower than masterpiece because you think that the mastery is in the peace. But the mastery ain't in the peace. The mastery is in the master's work in the peace. You look at uh, what is considered not quite the magnum opus, but nearly, we'll talk about the magnum opus of, uh, of Michelangelo in a moment. But, uh, but the statue of David, and I think we probably have a picture of that. The statue of, uh, of David. This statue, those glaring eyes that Michelangelo carved this out. Uh, Now, I'm not, I am not a statue person. I'm not an aficionado at what is great sculpturing. So when I look at that, because I don't know stuff, It might not appear to be all that to me. Just admitting my ignorance. I just don't know. But when I studied it, I found out that this statue was sculpted out of a deserted piece of marble that had been left for nothing. The marble itself had no quality. The marble itself brought nothing to the table because the masterpiece is not a masterpiece because of the product that it was made from. It's a masterpiece because of the one who put his hands on the product. You see, if I'd have made it, wouldn't nobody want it. But everybody wanted it because Michelangelo made it the statue you see the power is not in what the statue the the raw materials bring it's in what the artist the sculpturer uh uh, the creator does with it once it gets in his hand they might look at you and you don't look like all that but they don't know what he made you out of (laughs) They, they may see you and and you don't seem like you're all that cute But they don't know that you don't look like what you've been through. I cannot preach for three minutes. They don't know you, and I want to know why you letting them determine your value when they don't know your journey. I, I, I need to know why do they get to tell you, you ain't this and you ain't that, but they weren't with you when you was curled up in the fetal position and God came by and put his hand on you and lifted you out of your own death and put life inside of you. You've got to stop letting folk who don't understand value determine yours. Your value ain't based on it ain't based on you and it ain't based on them. It's based on the hands that are on your life and because the hands of the master, it ain't a masterpiece because the peace, it's a masterpiece because of the master. Can I talk just a little bit more about my boy Michelangelo? Now um, most of us, Me included. When we think of Brother Brother Michelangelo, we think of the Sistine Chapel. You know that uh, chapel in the Vatican that uh, was uh, Pope Sixtus hundreds of years ago, 1400s, first established that chapel. And those frescoes that are painted on that ceiling. And they real, y'all. I saw them. Don't let nobody say, they ain't real. They are. You ever notice how people who ain't been nowhere say, that ain't real? How you know? Because people that ain't been nowhere, but they think they knowledge. A lady argued with my son Alex when he was an intern at, uh, working at a law firm. She argued with him said, I don't like your church because y'all got an ATM machine in the foyer. He said, ma'am, there's no ATM in our church. She said, oh, yes, it is. He said, have you ever been? She said, no. He said, I'm the founding pastor's child. If it's an ATM in the building, as bad as I be needing money sometimes, if it's an ATM in the building, trust me, I'm the one in the five that would know. Because what people do is they can talk so long to folk that don't know nothing. And I know don't know nothing is bad grammar. I use it intentionally. That's what you want. You, want a, you don't want a pastor whose English is perfect. You just want a pastor who knows when it ain't. They spend so much time with folk that don't know nothing. That they start to believe the nothing they're talking about, engage in that, and begin to declare it like it's fact. So she's broadcasting a lie as if it is a fact that she has never come to check out for herself. That is exactly what people do in your life when you link up with the wrong people. They take the lie about you, and they speak the lie as if it's a fact, and then you start to believe the lie. Alex said, Dad, she was so sure I had to, I went to run by the church. <laughs> but isn't that how we do sometimes? That, that we, they're so sure that we start doubting what we know God has already said or God has already done. Just say amen if you can. Amen. These um, paintings on the Sistine Chapel, on the ceilings, these frescoes, as it were, um, Painted by Michelangelo between 1508 and 1512. They were the cornerstone of high renaissance art at the time. But the beauty of it is that it wasn't just in the 1500s, but even now with all the technology and all the stuff that we have and all the things that have been painted, and all the graphic arts, people still flock there to stand until their necks hurt looking at those frescoes Because of the pathway that the artist took to get him up there. Because he didn't paint him on the floor and then use a lift to then lift him up and put him on the ceiling. Anybody know why? Because they didn't have no lifts. No, he had to be at the ceiling painting them. He had to spend three to four years lying on his back held up on some kind of hoist, on some beams, on some bars, painting the whole time and he painted an absolute masterpiece while laying on his back in arthritic pain with kidney failure he painted an absolute masterpiece on a ceiling that to this day folk are still flocking to see the magnum opus of Michelangelo's life I need you to understand very clearly that it is because of the pain that the Lord went through any mothers in the building that's why you think your baby is the best your child is the best you feel ways about your child and his daddy don't feel come on mother talk to me that's my child that's my baby I mean he could be I'm not gonna name nothing but he could have all kind of issues but that's your baby that's your child why is that your masterpiece it ain't certainly ain't because of him it's because of the pain that God I feel you It's what you went through to get that child here that'll make you hold on to that baby until the last moment. Believing in him every step of the way. Why? Because for you, there's a derived value in the child from the pain that you you endured in order to produce The child. I need to tell you and you need to tell the devil that God went through too much to birth you. God went through too much to get you here. God went through too much to change your life. He ain't about to turn his back on you now. Now let me talk, y'all. I got to talk fast because y'all first service and I know y'all expect service to be over by now. And I'm on point number one. And I'm going to leave point number one alone because all it says is that uh, every masterpiece every masterpiece all of them requires a master you got to have a master to have a masterpiece because the masterpiece gets its value from the master remember this i do want to just mention this that the the master was in existence before the masterpiece michelangelo was alive before the frescoes and before the statue of david uh, your master has been in existence long before you and will be in existence long after, uh, after you. The master lives. Somebody holler, the master lives. master lives. The master lives, and because he lives, he has created power to create you. Because without the master, it's just a piece. Did <laughs> I say that again? I said without the master, a masterpiece without the master is just a piece. And so it is only because of him. It was a, a, a Man was dirt before God touched it. Lazarus was dead before Jesus raised him. Fishes and the loaves were insufficient before Jesus blessed them. And your life was hell bound before he saved it. Somebody say amen. I just need you to understand that it's the master where our focus is. And then we said a little bit of this, but every masterpiece requires a mess. Every masterpiece requires a mess. Jeremiah 18.1, the Lord gave a message to Jeremiah. said, go down to the potter's shop and I'll speak to you there. So I did as he told me and found the potter working on the wheel. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped, so he crushed it and into a lump of clay again and started all over again. Wow. The, the, the piece is a mess. But I also want to tell you something about the the master. And I'll go back to the life of Michelangelo, and you all can Google some of this stuff and study it on your own. But um, Michelangelo became so sick that uh, Pope Clement asked him to take a break and do nothing but eat and exercise. No more painting for you for a season. 1549, he was diagnosed with kidney stones. I need you to see that the the master, the 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 piece that he's working on is a mess. How many of y'all know that's true? Because you know you say amen. amen. But I also want you to see in the life, and 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 it's going to be tough for some of you to handle. But until I get to the end, but go with me. That Michelangelo not only was the the piece because he just had a blank Sistine Chapel ugly ceiling, so the thing he was working on was a mess. But Michelangelo became a mess in order to fix that mess. (laughs) Michelangelo had extreme arthritis. That's one of the reasons why Pope Clement told him he needed to take a break. Michelangelo also had kidney stones and I can't remember the clinical name the doctors will tell me after service but because there's a clinical name for kidney stones but you'll remember kidney stones he had kidney stones how does he get sick he gets sick in the process of turning the mess into a masterpiece You couldn't get changed until they made a mess out of Jesus. He took your place and became a mess so you could be a masterpiece. I need you to shout for a minute. minute. I need you. Why did God let them beat him beyond recognition? Why did the Lord allow them to nail him to a tree? why did the lord allow them to stab him in his side why did the lord allow them to put a crown of thorns on his head because the way that the mess becomes a masterpiece not only requires that the that the, the masterpiece start as a mess but the master also goes through a death in the process of creating the masterpiece are y'all hearing me A mother will tell you that the closest to death any woman ever comes in natural life is in the moment of childbirth. That's why some of y'all was hollering, I ain't doing this no more. I ain't mad at you. I wanted seven or eight children when we first got married. After I watched the first birth, didn't endure it, Sister Emma. I watched it. Ask her what I said afterwards. I say, we have as many children as you want to have. I ain't got nothing to do with how many we going to have. When you say we're stopping, that's when we're stopping. Because once I saw the pain that she went through to produce that baby, I said, oh, no, 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 I ain't. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. I am definitely the weaker vessel right about now. (laughs) But the death is required for the deliverance of the peace. And it does not become, if you search through great authors and you search through great artists, all of them had difficult, struggling battles with death kinds of lives because you don't create a masterpiece without going through a death yourself. So Jesus then goes to the cross. He dies in our place because in order for him to see you as a masterpiece made out of the mess of sin, he had to become sin. So in his becoming sin, the Bible says, he became sin for us. So that we might be made the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. Now, he becomes sin so that now he knows that you can go from sin to masterpiece because he's gone from master to sin to back to master again and so the work of God in him is the declaration of what God is able to do in you and so the Bible says we have a priest who is not like other folks he's been tempted in every point just like we have been He's been made to feel that he's nothing. He's been made to feel like he's a piece of trash. He's been made to feel like nothing but a sinner. But he got up out of that by his own power and walked out of it and says, now I can take the same power, inject it into you when you get saved, and transform you from a mess to a masterpiece. I need 12 people in the building to act like you get it. And, 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 and here's where, and I'm going to try to close right here, y'all. Here's where, uh, and y'all know I got, I got three closes, and because I've been gone, I got an extra. <laughs> but, but I'm going to try my best to wrap it up, y'all. Uh, but here's where the problem comes in. We see Jesus and how wonderful he is. But we've been told so much evil about ourselves that we cannot see ourselves as God's magnum opus. And we all sit and look at your neighbor and say, and you want to? Oh, no, that's a, that's a hard meeting. Look at your neighbor and say, oh, you want to? Come on, look at him and say, oh, you want to? I mean, if it was hard for you to believe that you was one, now you know believing your husband is one, believing your wife is one. You Look at me. Don't look at them. Look at me. My God, a magnum opus? Oh, Jesus. But every, and I won't have time to teach it uh, in first service. You want it all a mess. You have to come back to the second service. <laughs> that is so wrong, y'all. I can't believe I said. But, but here's what happens. The, the, the disconnect is here. I, I got to get this in. The disconnect is here. The enemy has shut off. What I'm gonna call this is where me and Pastor Jay have been laughing about for a couple of weeks, and I'll explain it. The enemy has cut off our prophetic imagination. In other words, we can only see what's in front of us. We can't imagine a word that is beyond where we are. We can only see the stuff. We can't see. Beyond the stuff, because the stuff speaks so loud that we can't hear what God is saying prophetically through his book, through his word. And so we've lost our ability to imagine, and I'm going to help you restore it in the next five minutes. We have lost our ability to imagine that I could be better than I am right now. We have lost our ability to imagine that my life could be different than it is right now. We've lost our ability to believe that even though I may have fallen or made mistakes, that God lifts me up and God puts me back on the right road. We've lost our ability. And so it was with the prophet Ezekiel when he was dropped In the valley of dry bones in Ezekiel 37 bones everywhere and he's asked this question can these bones I need you to look around at the dead bones of your life and I need to ask you a question can these bones live and, cre- and be a created masterpiece that God has already designed long before you were ever here? Can it, can it happen? You say, you say and, and I don't have time to finish, but you're thinking, but Bishop, all of us, all of us, I heard a pastor, uh, uh, Shalita Fonby, I heard her say this this week and this thing rung in my spirit. She said, in the valley of dry bones, because the armies had died together, God resurrected them together. I came by to tell you because it was a community death, it's about to be a community resurrection. Because the devil thought he took all of us out, now all of us are coming back. I need you to touch two people and say we need each other. He, he put ants in a colony so they could crawl together and, and, and geese in a gaggle so that they could, so that they could live together and, and birds in a flock so they could fly together and, and, and lions in a pride so they could roar together. Y- y- y'all hear what I'm saying? Wolves in a pack so they could run together. He did that because we need each other because I ain't going to never be my masterpiece until you start to become your masterpiece And we walk this thing out together. And we come back to the place where we start to believe again that God has created a masterpiece. See, I need to tell you this. Come on, team. I need to tell you this, that God is doing a great work in you. I said God is doing a great work in you. For the last four weeks, I've labored over this word and and over this in my own life. A brother sent me the song, and I started listening to it. He wanted to remind me that in spite of my inconsistencies, in spite of, of my failures, in spite of my struggles, in spite of my challenges, that God is doing a great work in me. And I said, Lord, then that means if you're doing it in me, you're doing it in all my sisters. You're doing it in all my brothers. There's a great work that you're doing inside of us. And we must now recover our prophetic imagination and once again declare over our lives, God, you're doing a great work in me. You're doing a great work in me. And I believe that work. And I trust you to finish that work. He said, the thing I've started in you, I will complete this thing in you. The thing that I began in your life, I will finish in your life. I've started a great work in you. Stop saying I'm not going to finish it. Stop saying it ain't going to happen. Stop saying I ain't good enough because none of us are. It's by grace that we're saved through faith, not of ourselves. Come on, stand and give God crazy praise. Come on, praise Him. And y'all just start singing while they're praising God. Come on, come on, y'all, praise Him. Lift your hands and worship in a moment I will ask you to help them sing
2: sometimes there are obstacles in the road that can leave you feeling low and you don't know how to move forward and sometimes the graph you want to take but the way gets hard to trace and now you're wondering how did you get here but don't you give up until you see how God is ordering your steps so you can walk into your season he that has begun a great work faithful to perform. God is faithful to perform. He that has begun a great work in you is faithful to perform. Our God is faithful. God is faithful faithful to to perform. Oh, he that has A great work in you. He's faithful to perform it. God is faithful to perform it. He's faithful to perform. So if you ever get discouraged, just speak to yourself and say, he's doing a great work.
1: Come on, tell yourself. He's
2: doing a great work.
1: Work.
2: He's doing a great work in me. God is doing a great work. He's doing a great work. He's doing a great work. A great
1: work Come on, y'all. This is your part. God is doing a great God work. God is doing a great work. Oh, he's doing a great work. Great No matter what the devil says, God is doing a great work in me. No matter my failure, God is still doing a great work in me, and I trust Him. I believe. God is
2: faithful to perform. He that has begun a great great work in you is faithful to perform. It's faithful to perform. It's faithful to perform. It's faithful to perform. perform. Yesterday, today, and forevermore. Faithful to perform. He's faithful, faithful to perform. great is His faithfulness, great is His faithfulness.
1: God is doing a great work. Yes, He is. Great work, God is doing a great work. Yes, He is. Great work, doing a great doing work. What should you consider, even, even as you hear these words, so God's doing a great right? work? you got to remember that this thing did not start with you. But when you were just a dream in your mother's eyes, in your father's eyes, God had already determined to create a legacy out of your life. God was determined to raise you up through oppression, through issues, through feeling minimized. God was raising you up. And this is your season. And this is your time. This is time for you to lift your heart and lift your voice and begin to declare, God is doing it. The church pray, 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 He's doing a great work.
2: to perform, God is faithful to perform, he that has begun,
1: Magnum a hopes. great work in you, the masterpiece,
2: he's faithful to perform it, God is faithful to perform, Father
1: I thank you for my sisters and brothers this yeah. morning, you are releasing them from all kinds of bondage words spoken over them and against them struggles and their own poor decisions and failures you're releasing them to prophetically imagine God is doing a great work in me and because the work is his work and not mine he's going to finish what he started he's not going to leave me and he's not going to forsake me And he's not going to even let me walk away, but he'll keep pulling me back and pulling me back and pulling me back. Create me over and over and over and over and over again until I become what he wants me to be. My heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you're standing in this congregation or you're watching us online, I certainly do want to honor those who are in our online congregation today. Jesus loves you. And here we are, some of us have been saved for 40, 50 years. We're crying today because we realize that we kind of underestimated the great work that God's doing in us. We're beginning to realize once again that we're His masterpiece. When God starts a work, He finishes it. But you may be here and you may be saying, Pastor, I don't know the Lord as my Savior. Am I still his masterpiece? Well, you can be. All you got to do is just follow what we read earlier in Ephesians 2 and make the declaration that I want to be saved and know that that doesn't happen by works but by faith. In the wonderful mercy of God, right where you are in this building or online, simply pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I know you died for me and you rose again. Forgive me cleanse me, and make me a new person. I turn from my old ways, and I turn to you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for coming into my heart, changing my life forever. In Jesus' name. The Lord, I pray for folks online and in here who pray that prayer. I'm asking you, Lord, to minister to their lives right now in Jesus' name and that you, Lord, cause them to see that you've got a great work that you just started in them and you're going to finish in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us, we'll put a a number up on the screen. You can text that number and say Jesus or saved. If you're online, you can do the same. We'll reach out to you. We'll give you materials, get you started or those of you who are here and wouldn't mind letting us pray for you personally some of our team will be right up here at the front you can walk up say I prayed that prayer with the pastor I'd like to know what else to do come right up and we'll pray for you I want you to go throughout this week singing to yourself he that has begun a great work in me he is faithful to perform it." I want you to sing it I want you to meditate on Ephesians 2 and I want you to get you a version of the Bible that doesn't say workmanship I want you to get you a version that says masterpiece because I want you to remember that you are his masterpiece why? because the master's hand is on you and he's not letting go he's positioning you for greatness and now we walk through the messy process of discipleship what do I do pastor? get in a small group, get in a connect group Start meeting with 15, 10 or 15 other believers every week. Praying together, reading the Bible together, riding bikes together. Spend time with them. Get in growth track. If you haven't already done that, get in growth track. Start your discipleship process so that you're not just a person who comes to church. You see, Jesus didn't tell us to make good churchgoers. He told us to go and make disciples. So I want to challenge you today to be on the road to discipleship. If you're already doing all those things, make sure you're in your word every day. Make sure you're spending some time in prayer every day. Stay on top of your Frank list. Who is it that you're praying for to be saved? If you go to this church, you already know that Frank list is praying for friends, relatives, acquaintances, neighbors, coworkers to be saved. And inviting them to church, finding ways to bless them. We'll talk more about that the next time we get a chance.
0: Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to celebrate with you and we have some tools to help you on your journey. Just text JESUS to 48074. To find out more about Calvary Revival Church, text GUEST to 48074. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and make a difference.